Oh, this is going to be a good one. You're listening to Pete the Planner. This week on the Pete the Planner show, we answer your money questions. That's what we do. You can email us, askpete at petetheplanner.com. Ask Pete, all one word, at petetheplanner.com. You notice something. I said the word us, which means there's other people here, and that other person is the director of personal financial strategies at Your Money Line. Damian John joins me in studio again. I'm back. You're back. You are welcome to back with closed arms. Hello, hello, hello. Uh, big show today. A lot to talk about. couple notes before we get started. Uh, the big announcement that I've been teasing, well, you have to wait one more segment. I'm going to tell you about it in the next segment. Uh, the, the interesting news for Central Indiana folks specifically, uh, but I'll tell you more about that in the second segment. Uh, Damien, we were doing a show audit of last week's show because we care what we say, and uh, as part of that, we had an emailer email us and say, hey, I think you were wrong. And we were like, wrong? Of course we are. We're always wrong. But no, we were really wrong. Um we, there was a piece, there was a nuance to our answer in Social Security that was incorrect, and we want to make that correction now for those that uh, took that advice uh, to heart. Yeah. Um, the situation was uh, someone had written in asking if their spouse should file for their Social Security benefit early, and then once uh, the writer filed for their full retirement age benefit, uh, have their spouse step up to the spousal benefit, which we said, yeah, yeah, go for uh, it. Yeah, do, absolutely. What we didn't account for was the fact that uh, by taking, by the one spouse taking an early Social Security benefit. It's a 25% reduction. 20, for uh, the time period, for her age, based on her full retirement age and when she would be taking about a 25% reduction, she would lock in that 25% reduction forever. Now, whether that's her own benefit that she had earned or the spousal benefit. I think we probably alluded to or made it sound like that she was going to get the full spousal benefit. Which no, I is, know. I that's what I know. That's what I alluded to. So that is not correct. It is not the case. And so we uh, we made that error. We wanted to make sure that was corrected and everybody understood that uh, that was wrong. Well, let's uh, let's see if we can get another one wrong. This question says, "Dear Pete, please help. My wife and I are near sixty-eight, retired, and collecting SSA benefits. I wonder if they they did them based on our wrong answer. Anyway." We have more than one MM in traditional IRAs, and our uh, AGI exceeds Medicare Part B and D thresholds. Let's go back. Number one, why is million denoted as MM? I've never figured that out. I haven't either. So anyway, these people have a million bucks and uh, in their traditional IRAs, and their AGI, their adjusted gross income, exceeds Medicare Part B and D thresholds, thus paying much higher premiums because I've been converting uh, IRA to Roth IRA annually while staying within my tax bracket. I like to take advantage of 2018, 2025 lower tax rate by converting as much IRA to Roth IRA annually and still stay within the 24% rate. My goals, by the way, if you're listening to this right now and I'm, I'm making an assumption about you, you didn't know any of this was a problem. <laughs> this person has figured out that this is a problem for them, right? They Their financial situation, this is... We all have these little things in our lives that there's there's some reality within our situation aggravates us. This guy is completely aggravated by his reality. My goals are to pay lowest lifetime tax, pass big Roth IRAs to children, and pay lowest lifetime Medicare premiums. My wife wants to pay the least tax now and defer tax as long as possible. Who is more correct? And we, did we miss anything? I don't know the emailer's name. Um, Damien. 
anytime someone wants to go with the who's more correct, me or my spouse, that's an email you should send us. Yeah, absolutely. Because like, we love conflict. Yeah, the, 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 these are the fun ones. So what jumps out at, at you here? I mean, it's the idea. He's like, all right, well, I'm going to try to convert a bunch of Roth IRA money now, get my tax uh, you know, um, obligations out of the way, and then I'll never owe tax on that money again. I mean, so that's one factor here, right? Mm-hmm. But to stay within that 24% uh, threshold, that's a lot of money, right, that he's converting over, right? Yeah, he's got a lot of headroom. The The 24% bracket for married filing jointly, and I'm, I'm making the assumption that he and his wife are filing jointly in, in this case. But that bracket goes all the way to $321,000 and change. So there, he's, he's moving. Uh, of course, we have no idea what his um, living expenses are or what his lifestyle is, but I'm, I'm assuming they're moving a, uh, converting a bunch of money from those traditional accounts to Roth IRA accounts. I, I want to go ahead and take this further to increase the chance of me being wrong, that I think he also has a sizable pension. Could. What do you think? I, I mean, right? He might. I, I, I... Because his, his, it doesn't seem to me like he expresses any concern about income viability ever within this email. So to me, it's like, hey, uh, that's taken care of. Now let's focus on passing money to my kids. People who say that are either people with a ton of money, which he's got a lot of money, but he doesn't have a ton of money, and people that have income security. I'm going to say that he and his wife were just very good, diligent savers and have their expenses under control. They don't have a need for a lot of cash, and so they want. he's doing some forward planning at this point. Okay. Um, regardless to, of the yeah, income and, yeah. and wants to just, uh, make his estate as tax efficient as possible for his kids. So you're going to have to pay uncle Sam sooner or later. Yep. Right. And, and so his wife's like, let's just do it later. And he's like, no baby schmoops. Let's do it now. Exactly that way. Do you think that's how it went down? I think so. Now I can't understand the frustration of Medicare, um, supplemental coverages and, 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 and choosing your Medicare options. And when you don't qualify on the lower premiums based on the income you have, that's an issue, but it's not the exact year. Um, this year's taxes don't determine where your Medicare premium, right? Yeah. Medicare premiums based off of your tax returns for two years prior. So let's just say this, this gentleman ends up getting everything that he wants done, converting all of those uh, traditional monies into Roth accounts, he's still going to pay increased premiums for the next two years, roughly. Oh, all right. Well, uh, what else does this guy need to do? So what do you think? Do you think he converts it now? Do you think it matters? Well, he's still got his RMDs coming up in a couple of years, which are going to spit out about 4% or about 4% of whatever's in there. What do you think? I, it depends, uh, honestly, on, on what he wants to do with it. If he wants to sit on it and just take it as he's forced to take it from, from Uncle Sam uh, and, and pay the piper at that point, that's fine. I, I don't see any reason that he should uh, be against that necessarily. But if his goal, if his stated goal is what it is, lowest lifetime tax, pass a big Roth IRA to children and pay lowest Medicare premiums, Doing what he wants to do is going to accomplish that. If he lets it sit in the traditional side, that's that's going to go against what he's trying to accomplish. Okay, I agree. I think the Roth conversion makes sense, but I also think that, uh, not that I need to be right, but I also feel like that illustrates my point even further that this is not an income issue. If your goal is to take a big chunk of money and pass it on and, 
and you don't have concerns about drawing off of it at all because he is not expressing any concern about depletion. None, right? I also think he's very healthy and he intends to live a long time. Uh, just the way that, that he's saying this. Um, and it also goes to further illustrate this idea that we all have uh, a personal preference as to the priorities we have to pass money on to the next generation. Mm-hmm. Do you and I differ, uh, differ on that? I have no desire really to leave much money to my heirs. And it's not because I'm greedy. I would just leave my money, rather leave my money to other community organizations. I'm not looking to set my kids up for lifetime, but uh, I, I'd like to maybe leave them with uh, some some meaningful, tangible things rather than cash. I'm going to write them a letter and bury it and make them do like a, a treasure hunt. And then the letter will be like, my estate is the knowledge I passed to you. Some, some geocaching. Is that what make, that is? Make them go dig stuff up. Geocache. I never know how to say it. It's not like geocaching. Maybe for you. Okay. Listen, coming up after the break, the uh, biggish announcement and uh, another email question. I think let's let's stick with the trend. We've got another husband who wants us to disagree with his wife. <laughs> That's what the show's about. By the way, we just agreed with the husband in this segment. Will we agree with the husband in the next segment? Hard to say. Stay tuned to find out. Damien Dunn in studio with me, Peter Dunn, Pete the Planner. No relation. Seriously. I'm Pete the Planner. This is my show. Back on the Pete the Planner show. Damien Dunn in studio once again. Damien, I think you just like being on the radio. It's growing on me. Well, it's growing on you. Uh, big announcement-ish. Uh, so, you know, I wrote, I, I write for USA Today, and part of that was the, it would appear also in the Indianapolis Star, which is my hometown paper. The Indianapolis Star stopped carrying my column because they eliminated their business section because there apparently there's no business in Indianapolis. But it turns out there is business in Indianapolis, and there is a uh, publication that's been around for a really long time that covers business in Indianapolis. It's called the Indianapolis Business Journal or IBJ for short, is what people call it around here, Indianapolis Business Journal. And Damien, I am their newest columnist, uh, so all my work will appear, uh, not all my work, my work for the IBJ will appear in the IBJ starting this week. Congratulations, Pete. Thank you. I'm excited about it for a couple reasons. Number one, their demographic is completely different, so it will. my columns in the IBJ will be a little higher echelon. They will be for people who make a little more money, so they'll be a little less... How do you rub two nickels together and make a fire? And a lot more, you make plenty of money, now let's figure out how to make a, a solid life out of this. So definitely a different vibe. So uh, pick up a copy of the IBJ, subscribe at ibj.com, and uh, get my work there. Next question, Damien, uh, is, hey, Pete, my wife and I are 24 and 23, respectively, and we have house fever really bad. Together, we make about 75000 American dollars a year, and we spent the first year of our marriage working hard to pay off our car and my student loan, so we are completely debt-free. We have $10,000 in an emergency fund, another three k in other savings outside of our checking account. We found a house we love, but it's going to be $160,000, and our monthly payment will be around $1,080, which is 23% of our monthly income, including taxes and insurance. This would leave us saving about $1,100 a month after all of our expenses. Also, our local CU, credit union, 
offers a first-time home buyer's loan that doesn't require down payment or any PMI, but the interest is 5.25. Wow, why don't they just take you out back and hit you over the back <laughs> of the head? Uh, do you think this house is too expensive for us, considering it's our first house, and how young we are? We feel pretty comfortable with these numbers, but I'd like to hear your opinion. Uh, thanks so much, Nick and Lexi. Okay, I have so many thoughts. This is very sweet. Can I be condescending for a second? Please. <laughs> they're, they're a lovely young couple. Yeah. Like, I, it reminds me of Mrs. Planner and I. Mrs. Planner and I graduated from Hanover College in the uh, May of 2000, and we closed on our house that we bought together in July of 2000. Wow. So we, I moved in with my parents uh, for like a month after we graduated. She moved in with her parents. Then I, a month later, I, I moved into the house that Sarah and I bought. Mrs. Planner, Miss Sarah, uh, stayed with her parents until we got married uh, uh, a month later, mm -hmm. and then we moved in. And I regret doing that. Which part? This is important. <laughs> I regret the decision that I made. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I did. No, I regret buying the house. I regret buying the house. Uh, I love my wife. I regret buying the house. Um, it It seemed like a good idea. It was this... Yeah, uh, we don't want to rent and throw away our money. And we got out of that house without a financial loss by the hair of our chins two years mm. later. And she has no hair on her chin. Mm. This is getting weird. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I am not saying Nick and Lexi should not buy a house, but they think they need to pump the brakes a little bit and do something that people don't really do, Damien. And it's not to look at the financial decision now, but try to project their financial life and their sensibility and their needs 10 years from now. And, and that's what people tend to not do when they buy a house. Or if they do do it, they do it from an income perspective and say, ah, oh, we'll make more, so we'll be fine. Yeah, I, there's, they're 24 and 23. When you were 24... I was on you, my second house. You, <laughs> I, I was. Well, okay. Did you think you'd be on your second house at 24? No, I didn't. I didn't. This is where it can start to sound condescending, so at least we're admitting it. I didn't know. I was, I was focused on my career. I wasn't focused on... I was just focused on the family, but that's like an organization. Yeah. Let's not get there. No. Um, I was not focused on growing our family. We weren't going to have kids anytime mm -hmm. soon. It, Sarah was focused on her career. I was focused on my career. Our house is just where we went at night for a couple hours because mm -hmm. we were just out there hustling and so at 22 and 24 so i don't know if it mattered yeah i i guess that's kind of what i was trying to drive to is you just you're not sure you've got a built-in advantage at this age of, of flexibility yes and you're not sure where your career is going to go you're not sure entirely if you're going to be in the same city maybe you are i don't know but there are so many possibilities that are open to you at 23 and 24 to lock yourself into the commitment of a home and owning it um might come back to bite you at that age yeah i i don't know if you and i were having this conversation or someone else this week about cars and how sometimes people buy a car um and then their needs for cars change because their family situation or their job or their their distance from their job and then how that can be troublesome I, but i think you're right the answer here is flexibility so as much as by the way i think these people can afford to buy a home mm -hmm. absolutely nick yeah. and lexi if, if you disagree with what we're saying fine but just know you can still afford the home 23 percent of your monthly income perfect 
I would not do the new first-time home buyer thing at 5.25%. That makes no sense. Uh, the goal would be to save up some uh, of a down payment. But also, mm -hmm. they did not mention that they're putting money away for retirement at all, did they? No, it's not. Uh, unless it's included in their um, after expenses uh, where they say that they're already saving a, a good chunk or they will be saving a good chunk even if the house payment's accounted for. I don't know if the retirement is included uh, before that savings is accounted for. Yeah. Ten, I mean, getting out of debt in a year, having yeah. 10000 in savings on, here we go, condescension, only $75,000 mm -hmm. of income. It's really impressive. It's really good. I'm like totally into the situation. I think the situation gets better for them if they pump the brakes and wait a year or two. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, and that's not that they're at any risk. I don't think they're at risk at all. I think they're going to be dissatisfied with the decision two, three years from now when they just needed more information. They need more information about their marriage, about their life and mm -hmm. their careers. And I just, that's what concerns me. And I made that mistake, Nick and Lexi. Um, and I regret it, not the marriage, the home. Um, and I barely got out of that decision. Barely. Did you? We went to the first time. You, you, when did you? How old were you? Got married. Twenty four. Did you? Did you move into a house right away? No, we were in an apartment. See, and, but you felt not having the pressure of this is where we're at. the flexibility, right? Yeah, I, we certainly could have. I, we we both had nice paying, <clears throat> excuse me, nice paying jobs, but yeah. we just didn't see the point in moving into a house right then. Do you think there's any concern here of whether or not uh, interest rates are going to go up or the housing market's going to get weird or get stronger? I mean, here's what I see happening. I, th I think the housing market might soften soften, soften in the next couple of years, uh, but that could also go along with slightly increased interest rates too. Do you get a feeling either way? Yeah, I, I think you're right. But here's the thing. If they take their time and they save more cash for yeah. a down payment, um, the effect of that interest rate is going to be marginalized because they're going to have to pay less on the house that they buy because they'll have a greater savings. Uh, I, what's interesting about this situation, again, to me, is these these are achievers. Nick and Lexi, you know, if you're listening, I know you're listening, you guys are achievers. You, you're like, this is what we're going to do, check, and then we did it. And I know that this is on your list of something to check off, but what I recommend you do is to push it out a little bit build up that down payment and really condescension really enjoy not having the obligation of being a homeowner because i hate to tell you when you become a homeowner is yeah it's yours you can paint whatever color you want hang stuff on the walls it sort of stinks it it, it really does um because your life gets a lot more expensive so i would say enjoy the last two years of your life of, of not owning a home because that's what we're up against good question no conflict there uh, which, you know, whatever. All right, coming up after the break, uh, more of your money questions. Damien Dunn in studio. I'm Pete the Planner, and this is my show. Now we're back on the Pete the Planner show. Ask Pete at PeteThePlanner.com. Ask Pete. At PeteThePlanner.com, uh, walked into the office today. Damian Dunn is wearing this handsome overcoat. I mean, just handsome. Looked like a movie villain, like a wealthy movie villain. And uh, I like it, buddy. Thanks. You, uh, it looks pricey, I'm going to be honest. 
It uh, if I would have paid full retail for it, it would have been very pricey. Oh, we have a little money saving tip. You shoplifted or what? Uh, not quite, but yeah. some people might say I stole it from them. What what did you do? Like wait? I waited. I, I was know. patient. It's I, funny how that works. It uh, what did it save like percent wise? Do you know? Uh, sixty five to seventy percent. Oh my gosh! Do you have to? Do, what is it like a filings basement or whatever? I don't know what that is. You don't? No. Okay, that was the real East Coast thing. Okay. Uh, dear Pete, I enjoyed your article and advice. That was an exclamation point. Sometimes I try to not tell you the punctuation. I just do it with my inflection. I'm a 58-year-old woman. If you're just tuning in, I'm playing a role right now. Okay. Uh, and a 32-year employee at a local company. I built up my career there, having turned down offers from competitors throughout the years. The owner of my company and his wife, whom I report to, are now giving over the reins to their daughter. And now my dedication of service and 48-hour work weeks are going down the drain. Man, when I read this email the first time, I felt it. Did yeah, you? It was really sad. I know. I feel terrible for this person. The daughter wants younger people working for her and does not respect the knowledge of employees with many years of experience. God, this rips my heart out. It is humiliating to watch her tear apart my job and the jobs of others. Those lucky enough to be able to retire are doing so, but I'm 58 single and it's too soon for me to retire i've paid off my mortgage and i have no debts i have about forty thousand dollars in my check and savings my retirement stash is about six hundred thousand my monthly expenses are low i'm calling a quick to here buddy she's done everything she can do i don't know what her income is maybe mm -hmm. she's gonna tell us here in a second dude that's 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 an incredible job single no house payment low expenses six hundred thousand in savings and an emergency fund like she is on track that's what on track looks like. Yeah, I don't think I could script this up any better for somebody in, in uh, well, at her age, maybe not her situation, but her age, I, I think she is doing absolutely everything that she should have done at this point. You know, anecdotally, which is the world we live in sometimes, because you and I see a lot of financial lives, this is not typical. No. <laughs> no. She's the exception. Yes. To I'm trying to live a very frugal life right now and put away as much money as I can because my fear is, that something happens to the owner and or his wife, that the daughter will clean house. She's already terminated two women, one 69 years old and the other woman who is probably near mid-60s within the past year. I make very nice salary, and I'm afraid I will not be able to match it if I want to leave. I pray every night that the upper management team remains in good health. Oh, my gosh. Can you imagine? Do you pray for my health? Maybe <laughs> it's depressing. Actually, you probably pray for me to get sick so that like the other people here below me can make better decisions than I can. I've, I've often wondered if I needed to get a, a, a policy on you though. <laughs> it's depressing because I have really enjoyed my job and work environment in the past. I do not mind hard work and learning new things. I've been very loyal. Now will loyalty be returned? Your article mentioned retiring early. I've often thought if I could make it to 63 at my company, maybe I could live off the savings until I reach 65. I know the Social Security benefit is better at 67. I'm holding tight, working hard, and praying for my future. SK, what do you think? Um, I, I, horrible situation. But there are a couple little things in there with what she says she's already accomplished. And then also, she gives us an insight to her mindset. And willing to work hard, learn new things. I, I think uh, she could be a valuable employee anywhere she goes. Would it be different? Absolutely. But I, and I'm, I agree with you, but I, I have to say, how old is 58? I mean, age discrimination is real. 
I think it's really hard for someone in their late 50s. I know it's really hard for someone that's 58 to get a job. Yeah, and I, I don't disagree with that at yeah. all. But I think with her mindset, she could be okay until the time she fully retires. It, it may not those last you know few years of full employment until she she finally says I've I, I've got to as far as I can go and I'm not going any further because we already know her house is paid off. We know she's got a nice chunk in emergency savings. She's done a, a, a pretty darn good job saving for retirement. If her expenses are low and it's a frugal life, how much of the income does she need to replace if she has to go somewhere else? Okay, so I think that's the operative question because she says a phrase that a lot of people say, and you just don't know what it means. I make a very nice salary. Mm -hmm. Well, what does that mean? I mean, some people think, 250000 is a very nice salary. And they don't even call it a great salary. They say it's very nice. Mm-hmm. And other people say 42000 is very nice. So what is? What, what it is? <laughs> what it is, man? Uh, that's, I think that's the issue because it, let's, let's say it's 75, right? Can a job that pays her 40 suffice in an emergency? And can she start living this reduced, additionally reduced lifestyle now to give herself a better glide path if that were to happen? Or is that too tedious and um, does it just cause too many problems? I don't know. We, we don't know. I, and sometimes the, the fear of that change in situation is enough to cloud um, objective decisions in saying that I, I've, this is what I've done for decades up to this point and I don't know if anything else can replace it. Now, I I think with what she's told us, she could make it. I think I think she's the type of person who could adjust, maybe not comfortably at first, but she'd be okay. You know, Gail, uh, our colleague, pointed out something really interesting, that healthcare is probably the bigger concern here. Uh, yeah. Totally agree. And it doesn't come through in the email necessarily that that, that is a concern of the emailer, but it has to be, right? I, and I know it is. I, I know this person's thinking that way. But I agree. Let's say that this job gets blown out and you got to go find a lower paying job. Uh, at that point, pay, of course, matters, but healthcare is everything. 58? You have seven years to worry about healthcare being your number one priority. And it starts here. Yeah. And I, I think that's just part of the evaluation process. Obviously, uh, we have no idea what's going to happen with this job, but if, if something happens and it, it does get eliminated for whatever reason, find something that's going to fit for a little while yeah it's tough what would you do if you were her i mean seriously if you put yourself in her shoes <clears throat> you're single you're a 58 year old woman are they comfortable shoes yes okay they are uh they're flats sensible comfortable and sensible yeah like a, they have a firm midsole okay what would you do keep my head down be the best employee i possibly could be and let the chips fall where they may oh yeah, I think that's what she's going to do. Here's something to consider, too. <clears throat> 58. I'm going to cough button. Here we go. <clears throat> I should get a cough button. You should. Can I pick that up on your mic, though? Maybe. Okay. Here's what here's what you need to consider. 58 is, is relatively young. Mm-hmm. I mean, 58 is not, you know, our parents' 58. It is, it is young. So this is to say she could have 20 years left in the workforce, 15 years left in the workforce, right? If she wanted to, sure. If she wanted a career change, she could have a career change. Sure. What I, what I think she needs to prevent herself from doing 
is to do what a lot of people do in this situation is they go back to school, take on student loan debt to learn a new skill that makes them more employable. Now that sounds a little crazy and it also sounds really like I'm, I'm pigeonholing her here, but I see people do it and it's a disaster at 58. Sure. Um, With uncertainty. I have family that went back to school uh, to get a nursing designation uh, late in life, and it, it forced lifestyle changes. Now, it, it's worked out in, in the long run, um, but it came with consequences. I, I find that it works out less frequently than it works. Wait, it works out less frequently than it doesn't work. Yeah, that's what I mean. That's confusing. Does it? I don't think it works well. I think it's a big gamble. Yeah. Late in life, education when taking on student loans is a giant gamble. Yes. That's, I should have started there. Mm. All right, coming up after the break, biggest waste of money of the week and financial current events. If you missed the big news last segment, my work will begin to appear in the Indianapolis Business Journal here starting this week. Uh, a little different column there for a little different audience. So go to ibj.com to uh, read my column. This is the Pete the Planner Show. Damian Dunn in studio today. Back with Blum and financial current events right here. I'm Pete the Planner. This week's biggest waste of money of the week here on the Pete the Planner Show is... Pulling it up. Uh, Damian Dunn joins me in studio, D- Director of Personal Financial Strategies at uh, Your Money Line. Hi. Okay. Uh, this week's biggest waste of money of the week is the LWW Moulin Precision Pepper Mill. Like all of our products, the LWW Moulin is built to last. We'd like to believe that we're building tools that will be handed down to the next generation. In order for that to happen, The tool has to be cleverly designed and well-made. We've taken the same knowledge and experience we've used to create our other precision grinders and applied it to the LWW Moulin. The body of the LWW Moulin is CNC machined from solid-billet aircraft-grade aluminum, which enables us to hold high tolerances on all of our parts. After polishing, you know, I've told my wife, I was like, I love to hold high tolerance on all of my parts. Absolutely. And she made me sleep in the other room. Uh, the parts are anodized to provide both an easy to clean and hard wearing surface. Here's the thing, dude. This is a $320 pepper mill. Do you like the pepper? Do you like the pepper? Do you, do you just, like a pepper on your food? Just a little, maybe. You like a little bit. It's, see, my wife's allergic to pepper, so pepper doesn't have a big. You can place be allergic to. So does she sneeze? No, she swells up. She has oh, a reaction. Awkward. Yeah, yeah. one wants that. Yeah. Uh, no offense. Uh, so, so you don't pepper your food? No, I don't really. Huh, that's interesting. If I get it served with pepper on it, I yeah. don't say, take it back. I, I, I enjoy it. But My I, wife is going to swell up. Yeah, I just sit in the corner and eat it quietly. If she has pepper and she starts to swell up, do you ever say, you're looking swell? No, not, never, not once would I do that. Can you try it? No. I, I, I FaceTime maybe and let you try it. The next time we have an all-company, like, and the spouses are there, if, if I, like, sneak pepper onto her dish when she goes to the restroom and she comes back and she starts to swell up, can I try that joke? You can. You, you have my permission to try. All right. 
$320 for a peppermill seems like a giant waste of money. All right, this week in financial news, owning marijuana company stocks could endanger your security clearance. Uh, members of our financial concierge team do a lot of work with uh, those members of the military and their families. Mm -hmm. And so they're always keeping uh, abreast of what is going on in the world of uh, military and money. And there was some concern by the Department of Defense that if you are uh, an investor in marijuana stocks, that that could affect your security clearance because you are, in essence, a drug dealer. Yeah, and it's not just the individual stock. It's if it's part of a index as well. So there's a greater likelihood that you are unknowingly going to end up owning a marijuana stock at some point because, you know, these index funds incorporate sometimes hundreds, if not thousands, of companies in these in their holdings. I don't know why I always feel compelled to say this when we talk about marijuana on the show. I'm not a marijuana guy. I just, I have, no, I have nothing against it. It's just not my, I've never tried it, so I don't even know. I'm like, this. you don't have to admit anything. I'm a, I have plenty of vices, like wine, whiskey, give it all to me. I'm not a marijuana guy, so uh, I, I don't have a lot of thoughts on this other than to say you just don't know what are in the group investments you have. You do not know what are in your ETFs and your mutual funds unless you go through them. And to think that military members could lose their security clearance because they're just trying to be diversified investors and have uh, marijuana stocks uh, accidentally is sort of a crazy thing. That's dumb. Speaking of marijuana. I'm not a marijuana guy. Second story. It's about marijuana. <laughs> marijuana is fun to say, though. You say it very do you, nicely. Do you still feel a little weird publicly talking about marijuana? You and, I are, you and I are sort of old school guys. Do you feel like it's like salacious? Like, I'm saying the word marijuana on the radio several times today, and I feel, this is, this is the old fogey in me. I feel bad about that. I feel like there's going to be a kid in the car, and then some parent's going to have to say, Dad, what's, what's marijuana? Well, Liberty. <laughs> the kid's name's Liberty. I, I hadn't ever really thought about it. It doesn't come up in uh, conversations very often. So I, 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 this, I my grandma rule. You know my grandma. My grandma's living, uh, grandma, Billy Dunn, uh, lives in Speedway, Indiana. Um, she's alive, and I love her, and I'm very glad. And I always feel bad saying things like, like if she heard me say marijuana on the radio, I think she'd be upset. Think that, so? Yeah, I do. She doesn't listen? Oh, well, thanks. Thanks for that. Now I'm, now I'm like, why doesn't she listen? Maybe she doesn't love me. Maybe she loves my other 80,000 cousins more. Uh, here's something getting a nice high from recreational marijuana, snack food sales. Apparently, in states where marijuana is legal, cookies and ice cream sales are through the roof, uh, says the Social Science Research Network. That sounds made up. Uh, Colorado and Washington voters opted to legalize recreational use of marijuana in 2012. Oregon's recreational use became legal in 2015, as we have a colleague going to Portland this week for work, so we'll just have to make sure we have our company policy in place. Uh, do you buy that? Do you buy this idea that like junk food sales are higher because of marijuana? I think it's one of the most obvious headlines that probably could have been written. I think they were probably sitting on this just waiting for the research to be done. Yeah, it's like an onion headline. You know? Yeah. Did you see the news that Planet Fitness is opening 10 fitness stores next to Kohl's? Have you, did you even, did you look at, this is crazy. I, I couldn't tell you the last time I went to Kohl's and didn't think, man, I wish there was some place to work out here. Can you sign up for memberships using Kohl's Cash? Maybe. Is it Kohl's Cash or Kohl's Bucks? What is it? Cash, I think. Kohl's Cash. My mom has a lot of Kohl's Cash. Yeah. But, yeah. You know, I find myself at Kohl's 
the day after our family Christmas every year. Returning stuff? We, yeah. Um, <laughs> Planet Fitness and Cole said Tuesday they've entered a cooperation under which they will open up to 10 fitness stores adjacent to Cole's stores. In today's evolving retail landscape, our differentiated approach to fitness continues to drive traffic to shopping centers across the country, and with over 12.5 million members, resonates strongly with consumers. Look, man, they've probably done the research. I feel like this is a hypothesis that they tried to prove, and then they found the results they wanted, and this is that partnership. Because I don't know. That doesn't make any sense to me. They probably... uh looked at each other's demographics of, of who frequents both of those stores and tried to put them together and say, hey, this makes sense. Let's try it. Can we have an uncomfortable conversation? <laughs> yeah. All right. So do you think they said they were, they're like just watching people? They're sitting outside a strip mall. They're sitting <laughs> in a van that says like Tim's painting on it, but sure. it's not. It's sure. like an FBI van. And they're, they're watching the people walk into Kohl's. Are, are they saying... That guy looks fit. He must work out. Or are they going? Oh, she could. Uh, she could use some jazzercise. What do you think? Like, do you think they did that? No. I. I mean, I. Sure. You know. For do you want to do that this afternoon? What, I have time. I would speak at noon. And I think if you're still here, do you want to go over? There's a Coles not far. Do you want to go sit out, and we will mark down the body structures of the people walking to Coles. We can do some scientific research, and we can see if we think this is a, a, a marriage that is going to flourish. We could do our own independent research. This is We'll get some sandwiches. Yeah. It'll be like a steakout. Yeah. Steak uh, sandwiches. Ooh, steak sandwiches, and we will judge people's bodies as they walk into Coles. I think this has legs. Do you think... So you don't think at any level they said, Coles shopper, let's understand their lifestyle... Do you, they had to have done that. Sure, I, I think I think they looked at uh, the, the like I said the demographics. Uh, who attends? Uh, who shops mostly at Kohl's? What are the demographics of the people that go to Planet Fitness? If and they're the, if they're similar enough, let's put them together. I mean, if this works, this might be genius. Can you imagine all the businesses that are just like, hey, there's a Pet Boys next to a Jimmy John's, and it's like, why? And it's like, look at the research, Pep. There's a, dry cleaner next to an Italian place. That makes a lot of sense because of the get, sauce. Yeah, you get Did the you sauce. set that joke up? No, not at all. Uh, just off, off the top of my head, man. What in the world? Don't, don't be funnier than me. Sorry. Pick um, my shots. Uh, Planet Fitness has more than 1,700 stores in 50 states, including the District of Columbia, Puerto Rico, Canada, and the Dominican Republic, Panama, and Mexico. I didn't, I mean, that is the planet. I mean, just the, yep, the side. The hemisphere, at least. Yeah. That's it for this week's show. Thanks for coming in. Uh, miss the news. Here's the news. Go to ibj.com. You can read my new column there. You can still read it in USA Today, too, but it's just a different column. Two columns. Anyway, I'm Pete the Planner, Damien Dunn in studio, sending you good vibes because good vibes are all that's in the budget. I'm Pete the Planner. Have a good day. Maybe, maybe.